uh, I have a message that I feel like God's really been putting on my heart. It's just really been, um, uh, it's really been challenging me in, in a lot of different ways. My sermon title this morning is, Do You Believe? Uh, this, this message is, is um, it can be, it, it really, I, it's, it's written, it's, it, it's, it's written for a purpose, and the purpose is, it's really to encourage you. Um, and to, it's, it, it acts as a gauge to know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Um, and it also, well, it's, it's a warning also. It, it'll show you if, you're, if you have belief in Christ. Um, a, a few months ago, I don't know if um, you know our story, Heather, my wife and I, um, we, just, we just lost our son. His name is Judah Jeffrey Mullen. Just lost him October. Uh, he was born the 13th, and he passed away the 16th, went to go see Jesus. Let me tell you, that, man, that little man, um, it's a good thing that he's not on this planet because this planet would be turned upside down for Jesus. I mean, like, he is, he was a little fireball, and, and the nurses, the doctors, the, the I mean, people across the, across the oceans uh, know his name because of just how much you guys spread his name, how much you prayed for him, how much you, and Judah now has won the race, and he's with Jesus, and it's awesome. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that, that he is with Jesus and that we have nothing, I have nothing to fear now. Um, but the reason why I wrote this is through that process, really, I, I, and not just through that, but really my entire life, I've always wondered if I really believe. If I really believe in God, you know, because you know, one moment, man, you can be fired up for Jesus, and then the next moment you can really just doubt everything that you've established. I mean, who's ever been to camp, youth convention, any sort of seminar uh, where you really had an encounter with Christ? Anybody, can anybody attest to that? Yes? Okay. Now let me, let me just begin by saying, I tell this to our youth too, those are real encounters. When you go expecting, see it's an attitude change, when you go expecting for God to do something in your life, God will show up 10 out of 10 times. 10 out of 10 times. It might not be in the way that you think it is, but he will show up. And so those are real encounters. Steward them. Don't let them just, yeah, I made a commitment last summer to never do this again, or I made a commitment last year to start fasting or to start doing different things that, that, that look like Christ. Um, so steward the moment. Steward that, that time when Jesus really uh, got a hold of your life. And for me, uh, like I said, I'd, I'd go to camps constantly. I'd come home and just really wonder, like, uh, I mean, I believe, but I, I really, I mean, I, I know that he, he's, he's there, right? I know, I know he exists. Um, I don't know if I can say as a teenager that my faith was there as, as far as, like, I was all about Jesus. It was just head knowledge. Really, was, there was no action behind, um, behind what I believed. So the, the question this morning is, do you believe personally? See, I, I, uh, I think God really does have a message for you this morning. If you, if, you know, everyone is going to perceive this a little bit differently. I don't think this is uh, just one way. You've got to take it one way. This is always right in every case. I think that God's trying to get a hold of different people's hearts and, ex- and trying to surface some things even in your own life that can help you really Whenever Jesus corrects us, every single time he corrects us, it's all about reconciliation. It's never about judgment and condemnation. If that's what it ever is about, be sure that it's Satan. Because we get saved and we get fired up for Jesus, and then guess what happens? We start falling away because we start thinking about, man, I'm just such a terrible person. I, oh, man, I, that's not Jesus. That's, that's just Satan. Jesus always brings something up so that we can be reconciled, so that we can grow, so that we can become a better representation of Jesus manifest in the flesh. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? All right, well, I want to read. Um, um, but before this, I'm, I really want to let you take away this one point. Believing, believing. What is, what is belief? believing? Believing, this idea of believing, it comes from an intimate time with God. Okay, it comes from an intimate time with God, and then as you have that intimacy with God, it always matures into action. It always does. You cannot believe and never let it mature into action. 
if you believe, it, and again, it comes from, from intimacy. Now, intimacy can, we're going to get into what that looks like, but that can be, that can be a, a, a time in the morning spent with God. That could be here at the altars. That could be in your seats. That could be anywhere where you're intimate with our Father. Okay? So it starts in intimacy, and then as, as the intimacy grows, he's going to start whispering things to you. Say, hey, you know, you should make some cookies for our neighbor and get to know him so that you can share Jesus with him. That's just, a, that's just like a very practical example, okay? The action always follows that intimacy, always, okay? And if, if you try to do the action before the intimacy, um, there'll be a day when God looks at us and he says, uh, you did all the right things, but you never even knew who I was. So it's critical, it's so beyond critical to spend time with him, to know him, want him for who he is, instead of want him for what I can get from him. Okay, so let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter, John chapter 6, 24 through 33. I'm going to actually, I, I didn't put anything up. I want you guys, there's Bibles on the pews. Feel free to pull those out. Um, I'm going to just go through this. John chapter 6, verses uh, 1 and 2. John chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. All right. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Okay, let's go to verse 10. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Okay? And then let's read 14 and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began uh, to, to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself to pray. I think it's so incredibly important to mention the great need that we pursue Jesus with the correct reasons, the correct intentions. Um, let me just ask you personally, when is it that you generally go fervently before God? Like when, when you need something, when is it that you go to God? Think about that for just a second. See, here in verse 1 and 2, these people... Uh, this is the story of how Jesus fed the 5,000 on the hillside, okay? We know the story. We've, this, is, this is so preached, and, and, but I think there's an important principle that I'm trying to draw out about believing, the, the, the idea of that we need to get with him, and then we need to do what he's telling us to do in that intimacy, okay? So he's, this is the story of feeding the 5,000. Notice in verse um, 2, and a great cr- crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Notice how, um, notice how here in verse 2, uh, let's go, you know what, I, I did not start by reading my main text. I apologize. Let's, let's start, let me, let me back up just, just a hair. Let, my main text is John 6, 24 through 33. So let's read that really quick, and then it'll give us better insight into what I'm trying to explain. 24, 6, 20, same chapter, 24 through 33. Once the crowd realized that Jesus saw, or that, that neither Jesus nor his disciples were on their side of the lake, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, or he answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work. I don't like that word. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, the God, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Sounds simple enough. So they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. 
As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, so we've established um, uh, this. We're talking about the feeding of the 5,000. I, I kind of skipped it, but now let's go back to that, okay? Here, this is the next day. This passage right here is talking about 24 hours of what I'm about to tell you. This huge gathering of people, 5,000 as recorded. It says men showed up. Now, chances are there was quite a few more than that, probably women and children. They weren't really valued in this day and age, and so they oftentimes didn't get recorded. So just imagine with me for a moment that there could potentially be five to 15,000 people on this hillside coming to Jesus because really, in verse one and two, it says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Now, in our ears, we're like, oh, they're, he's, they're just there for the miracles. But see, I, I don't think that's what, um, what, what John's trying to emphasize. Jesus the next day, he says, they, they said, Jesus, you left us. Well, when did you get here? I mean, how long have you been here? And Jesus doesn't even acknowledge that. He goes right to the issue. He says, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. The day before they were there because they had, heard, they had seen miraculous, they had heard about him. They're curious. They're like, man, if, if he can do that for them, what can he do for me? And I think it's, I think what Jesus is saying here in the, in the, the, the next day, you're not looking for me uh, because of the miraculous signs, but because you had your fill. I think it's okay to look for God because of the miraculous. Because here's the thing, Jesus, uh, the miraculous, the nature of miracles, it derives out of heaven. We cannot perform miracles at all in our own selves. Only the Father can do those kind of things. And, and it testifies, a miracle has a, quite a few different reasons why they exist. One, it, it, it honors Jesus every time. Every time there's a miracle, it honors Jesus. It, it proves that his message is true. Uh, you know, another thing is it shows that Jesus loves humans. I mean, if, if, if it's heaven invading earth that, and a miracle is birth, that's Jesus looking at a situation and saying, hey, I want to intervene because that cancer can't go away on its own. It's going to kill that person. I'm going to intervene. And lastly, it almost always provides an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. God doesn't just want to heal our, our physical side. He wants to heal the real issue. Uh, you know, God wants us, God wants us to, to, to look at situations and not just see the, the immediate need. He wants us to look at situations and see the spiritual need. And so what he was saying is, guys, I wish, I wish you were here because at least you're curious about the supernatural. You're curious about what I have to offer, my authority, that I am who I say I am. But no, you're here because you want to be filled. Okay, so Jesus here, let's go back the day before. Jesus is feeding five to 15,000 people, okay? Let's just say 5,000, but imagine how many semi-trucks you would need to feed that many people. I mean, let's say there's, there's 15,000. I mean, Huron's 12, 5, 13,000, somewhere in there. If, if all of Huron were to congregate into this building, that would be the worst day ever because you, you just get ran over. But if, if everyone were to congregate here uh, for a service, 15,000 people, and then we said, we're having a potluck, how much food would we need to feed every mouth till they were full and there was leftovers? I mean, man, we would need some food. We, uh, I don't know, spaghetti, hot dogs, what's your favorite food? They had fish and they had bread. That's, that's what Jesus decided to feed them. Um, so I think Jesus is saying we need to make sure that we're pursuing him for the right reasons. But this is the interesting side. Before, they were really curious about who is this Jesus of Nazareth? What, what can he do for, for us? They might not have been there for the, the right reasons fully. They might not have been there like, you know, I'm here because I really want to learn. or I'm, they're, they're just simply there because they're curious. And I, and I just think it's, I think we need to emphasize the, the heart of the Father here. You know, Jesus was constantly being led by the Spirit. And here he saw an opportunity to make his presence known, to make himself known to those on this hillside. 
And I think that uh, for, for, for um, these individuals, um, God could have easily said, no, you're, you're here for all the wrong reasons, but um, you, you, and you, since you're here for the right reason, I'll feed you, but the rest of you, you're not going to get fed. See, I think, I think God will feed us, whether we're here for the right reasons or whether we're here for the wrong reasons. He will feed us. But Pastor Tom gave a, a great analogy last week about how, you remember there was the, the, that idea of the, the baby and how babies generally hang out with their moms those first few days and, and months uh, because they really need nutrients. They really need to feed. They really need that, that you know, um, what sustains their life because, mom, I need mom because I'm hungry. I need to be fed. But then, you know, they get older and, and right before they're about ready to go to sleep, or they had fallen asleep, they wake up, and they're like, Mama, Mama. They're, they're not necessarily hungry. They just ate, but they just need the comfort of the parent, of, of mom. You know, what I, you know what I'm talking about? That's, I think, what God is really after. He feeds us regardless of where our heart is at. He provides for us regardless. But I think that when we develop a relationship of intimacy with him, we're going to see a lot greater things happen. So when, we're, when we spend time with him, when we're hearing his heart, when we, when we notice his voice, I think there's something so important about um, spending time with him based on, based on love instead of wants and needs. You understand? You understand? One question for you. Think about this just as, just as we go on. Ask yourself right now, Lord, why am I a Christian? What, where is the focus at? You know, and, and me too. Why am I a Christian? Why, why do I do what I do? Why, I, why am I, why have I made Jesus Lord of my life? You know, some of us might just want Jesus because we have a misunderstanding of what he does for us. And that misunderstanding is he just saves us from hell. You know, that's, it's, it's a poor, that's a poor reason to want Jesus to be a Christian because uh, Jesus, eternal life does not begin when we die. Eternal life begins the moment uh, we believe. And Jesus wants to be let out. He's constantly being let in by people all around you, by the, that intimacy, that time in the word that you have, uh, by people that prophesy over you, by, constantly by people that you're relating to. He's constantly being let in, but the problem is he needs let out. He needs to be, to be shown to the world. So we've established, you know, you know, God, God's going to come to our aid regardless of our intentions. We can't be, we can't be perfect. But on, on the other hand, Lord, please, in that intimate time when I'm spending with you in my, in my bedroom, and I, I, I've just been recently getting up earlier and earlier, God, I really want to hear your voice. You know, there's most of you guys, uh, if, if you were to yell in a room, I could, probably, I could probably tell who you were based on your voice. But if, if the father were to say something audibly, could we recognize his voice? That's where I think, um, that's where I think we need to get to. We need to get so, we are so involved into the father's viewpoint and his mission and where he's going in life that we, we recognize it and we're obedient and we're ready to roll. Let's, let's change here on first and let's move on out from, from there. Because you don't have to go overseas. Pastor Tom is going to Myanmar. This is amazing. I love it. But we are missionaries, we're representatives of deity this morning. And God, man, God wants to empower you. He wants to, he wants to change Huron. But we have to first understand that intimate place. And then out of that intimate place, then we start working for him. What he wants to do and not for what we want to do. The second thing really that, you know, in my heart is that the, 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 Actually, you know what? Let's just go to verse 28 and 29. Chapter 6, 28 and 29. So after Jesus had just corrected them, you're not really here because, you know, you're here for all the right reasons, but, you know, you're here because you want another, another meal. Now, right after that, um, he says in verse 28 and 29, he says, um, what must we do? to do the works God requires. Jesus answered him, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. 
You know, it sounds so simple to simply believe in the one he has sent. If we want to be doing the work of God, um, I, think, I think there's a lot more uh, people than we even realize who understand believe as I, I am aware that he's, he's alive and well. I'm aware that he is, you know, he is God. I'm aware of these things. But what I think it's so important that if we don't, if we don't understand what the Father is saying when he says believe, we can miss out a huge I mean, this is literally life or death eternally. So I think we would better understand what believe really means. So let's go to Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, faith chapter, right? Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to Please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay? Now let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse uh, 17. James chapter 2, 17 through 19. 17 through 19, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have deeds. But James says, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. Here, believe, the word, um, when Jesus says the will of God is to believe in the Son of Man, uh, the, the will of the Father is that all who look to Jesus will believe. It's the same word, believe, pithuo, in Greek, um, that, that he's saying here, James is saying that the demons also, Pithua, they also believe in the Father. But here's a big problem now because Jesus is saying that, Jesus is saying that, okay, so all you have to do, uh, this is the work of God, is you have to believe in the Son. Well, the big problem is the demons believe. And if the demons believe, then are they saved? Uh, it, it can't logic. It just logically doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So we have to we have to make sure that believe is what we think it believe, means, and not just simply, yeah, I I prayed a prayer once. I mean, I really believe that he's up there, and and I haven't changed my my life isn't changed at all because of it. But I you know I know he's there, and I I believe the message. I believe you know I I know. We have to make sure that that's not our attitude in 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 really going after Jesus. So okay, let me give you a quick illustration. Uh, I'm sure the majority of you have heard it in church circles, but um, Charles, Charles Blondin. Anybody know his name? Okay, he is a French, he's a French tightrope walker. Okay, he is, I mean, this guy was tight. Back in 1859, he was born. This guy knew what was up, okay? He was crazy. He was nuts. He decided one day, he had heard about Niagara Falls, right? <laughs> And he's like, you know what? I think I think I can. <laughs> I think I can walk that that uh, the waterfall, walk across it on a tightrope. So he flew over, or well, he probably you know swam or took a boat over. Probably didn't fly, but he came over and he says, I'm gonna do it. And so he he they they set up the rope, the tightrope, uh, across Niagara Falls. And you know you can probably imagine the sound of the water. <laughs> you know, constantly. And, you know, I mean, in, in Charles's mind, I mean, how, how in the world do you, you know, how, how in the world do you take that first step? But with all of Canada lined up, seeing, you know, a bunch of people from Canada were there, uh, a lot of Americans were there, like, this is nuts, this is unreal. And so he, he's, he's like, okay, inch by inch by inch by any, I mean, he's doing this. You know, if you were to fall, Instant death. Taken away by the waves, done. Just done. Instantly. And he gets all the way across, you know. You know, he put on dry ground. 
You know, it probably was like the biggest step out of all of them. You know, I'm, I'm off this thing, you know. I made it. And the place went crazy. Oh, my goodness. This is unbelievable. I cannot believe you've done this. And he's like, well, we've done, I've done it. And he's like, guess what? And I'm going to do it again. And so he goes back, and he's just showing off. You know, he's getting cocky. You know, <laughs> he's, he loves it. But, you know, that's what entertainers do. They just love that attention. The last time, he said, guys, I'm going to do it again. Who believes I can do it? Yeah, I, can, I believe it. And so what he does is he takes a wheelbarrow, and he fills it full of rocks. Getting heavy now. Now he's not just fighting, like, his own weight, but he's fighting the wheelbarrow weight, and he goes across, and he gets all the way to the other side, and finally, he says, who believes, who, who absolutely is confident that I can do it again? And I'm sure you guys can finish the story. They, they all said, yeah, we believe. We believe. We believe. That's, I mean, everyone. You know, just hundreds and thousands of people there. We believe. And he's like, if you believe, dumps the rocks. Jump in. And so the question is, and let me finish that story. Uh, not one person jumped in. <laughs> you know, if it was Jesus, I probably could just, yeah, I'll jump in, Jesus. If it's you, a man, uh, not so much. But the, the illustration isn't so much that, you know, it's about Charles. The illustration is oftentimes our belief um, is really, it's, it's really, I mean, at what point does it become belief? You, you, know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, did, did they believe when they said, we believe? Or did they believe when they said, I'll jump in, which no one did. I, you know, I, I think there's, it's a little bit of both. I think, man, God, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> you know, uh, when I, when I um, met Jesus, when I found Jesus, it was very innocent. It was very just like, God, I know you're real, and if, I, I hope that you, you get me, you, you get me help and help me out of this, this life that I found myself in. Can you help me out of it? And, and, uh, and he did. He brought me out of it. I don't think intimacy necessarily is a, is a it, it, it doesn't mean if you've been with God for five years or more. That's not what intimacy means. It means an intimate moment. Have you ever had an intimate moment with Jesus before? You know what I'm talking about? Man, when I, when I found Jesus, it was, it was night and day. Jesus, Jesus took, he wrecked my life. I used to be just, uh, I, I used to do all um, the craziest things. I thought I was so cool and I thought I was so in control, but I was so lost. But man, I had an intimate moment with God. And, he, and, and, and you know what? Ever since then, my life has never been the same. I've never, I have nothing to go back to. Jesus says, the work of God is to believe. We have to find intimacy with God. Everything flows out of intimacy from God. Because you know what? A lot of us, hear a lot of challenging messages. And you know what the thing we want to do is? We just want to go out and start doing what's right. Isn't that true? I mean, man, we got we to gotta start sharing our faith more. Okay, I'll share my faith. You can't share your faith. You can't. Uh, I need to go and pray for the sick. I really got to go pray for the sick. Man, that's what I got to go do. Go pray for a million people. It's not going to help. I got to really treat my wife better. Man, it's just, I just know I haven't been treated her right. And I know what I'll do. I'll just start treating her right. It's not, it, we can't. We, we cannot in, in and of ourselves, just like I couldn't come out of my addictions, we can't live righteously without God. At, at least in, in God's standard. I mean, we can do all the right things, but for it to count, if you will, it, it, it's nothing. Because here's the thing, intimacy with Jesus always, always, always produces evangelizing. Time with Jesus always, always, always produces love for my wife. But my love for wife doesn't always prove my intimacy with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it starts with intimacy. It has to start with intimacy with Jesus. So, so this is a challenge to you. Do you believe? Let me just, let me just sum it up. Do you, do you spend time intimately with Jesus? It doesn't have to be, well, I've been doing it for five years, so I'm good. I'm talking about, are you spending time with him today? Have you spent time with him in the last week? You know, I hear so much, uh, I, didn't, I really didn't have time to read my Bible, I really didn't have time to pray, I really didn't have time, you know, to do, to, to do those things because, you know, I'm just really busy. 
oh man, Jesus, Jesus is just, he's crying out this morning. I really believe it that Jesus, Jesus just wants to be intimate with you because he loves you. He, he wants you to know that. He wants you to know that you can be an overcomer if Jesus is on the inside, but Jesus can't be on the inside if there's not a time spent with him. Because Jesus, you know, he's, he's, he's challenging his disciples uh, or challenging this crowd, you know, why are you pursuing me? Like, I just fed you. You, you know what they said? That right, after, um, right, after they, uh, right after they had been fed, 5,000 people, five to 15,000 people just got fed. The next day they pursued Jesus and they asked him, the same crowd, they said, um, what miracle can you do, to do for us so that we will believe? Now, is it ignorance or is it just like, like forgetfulness? I don't, you know, I, like, I don't know what it was, but I do know that it, if, if we're not, if we're not um, anchored in him, if we're not going to his word, his promises, what is true, man, we're just going to be tossed around too. God, you never do anything for me. Prove it again. Prove that you're there for me because I, I haven't seen it in a while. Prove it. Man, and Jesus is in heaven, and he's sitting there, and he's talking to his father. He's like, Dad, didn't we do this for him? Dad, didn't we do this for him? God, you, you just never come through for me. You, you let Judah die. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Jesus, Jesus is so after our hearts that he, all he needed to do for me has been done. And it, it, that's all he needed to do. All he needed to do. And this world is so messed up. And, and our job now is to go out and let Jesus out of us. I mean, did Jesus heal the dead? Raise the dead? Heal the sick? Uh, cleanse the lepers? Did Jesus go out and prophesy? Did Jesus go and do all these things? Yes. That is the action that comes out of intimacy. He would constantly went away to be with his father. Constantly. I don't speak my own words. I only speak the words of the father. That is who we should be, totally. And I don't even speak my words as Jonathan Mullen, as an as a individual in Huron, a citizen of Huron. Uh, I only speak the words of God. Now, well, that was the role for Jesus. That's not for us. No, Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. He said to go and heal the sick. That's, that is why we exist. He says, you want to do work for God? Be intimate and act on that intimacy. Act on what I'm sharing with you. Believe. Do you believe? God help my unbelief. Let's turn to Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Go in there, Matthew 6.33. All right, as I'm not. <laughs> All right, 6.33, here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, a couple pages over, Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. So the first thing he tells us, seek his kingdom first. The next thing, another thing that he tells us in his word, 37 through uh, 38. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. He says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's another thing he tells us to do. Pray for laborers. Let's go to Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. It says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Sometimes we, we are like, yeah, that sounds good, man. I'm spending time with God in, in intimacy, but I don't know what he's trying to tell me. I don't have any direction in my life. I don't know what the will of the Father is. But here's the thing. I, I just read these randomly. Uh, seek the kingdom of God first. Seek his kingdom. He tells us, seek his kingdom. Are we doing that? Because that's, that's the action of the intimacy. If we're, if we're spending time with him, in, in the, we are seeking his kingdom. Man, you go to Walmart, and there's someone sick, there's someone hurting, you... you Take authority over that. You say, yes, the kingdom of God, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no sickness on earth. And you begin to, you, to authorize your authority that he's given us. That's what he says. Seek God's kingdom first. Second thing, he says pray for laborers. 
Man, the fields are ready for harvest, right? But there's no laborers. Are we praying for laborers? These are, this is, I'm, just, I'm just saying some things, guys, that, that these are things that God is telling us constantly. We don't have to sit down and write down every command and pray them all at once, and if we're not praying all of them, then we get stressed out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is God is screaming what we should be doing. He's telling us, man, this is, this is if, you want, if, if you want to grow in your relationship, if you want to be confident of, of your belief in me and, and you're spending time with me in that quiet place, man, these are just a few things that I can help you with. Pray for God's kingdom. Pray for labors. He says, don't fear man. Don't, don't fear man, whatever they can do to you. Oh, man, well, I better not speak up because I'm going to get kicked out of this place. Don't fear man. Don't fear man. Always fear God. Fear God because God is the one who's going to help you just read this morning the Holy Spirit brings back to memory the things that we learn from Scripture uh, and, 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 it, and He helps us. He helps us to remember what's true. Because sometimes, you know, even, even this morning, I'm, I'm really trying, God, just have your way through me. Get me out of the way. Let your son just be made known and help me to, to, to say what needs, what you want to be said, not what I want to say. Because my, my motives can be bent, they can be obscured, but Jesus is Heart, I believe, is that he wants us first. Don't try to do, don't try to do life. Do not try to do life if you're not spending time with him first. Don't try to do life because, because here's the thing. Everything flows out of there. He's going to empower you for tomorrow when you just wake up. And I'm not saying, you know, if, if, you, know, if you didn't get up and do your devotions, well, you might as well give up on today because you didn't make it. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we have to see the priority of that moment, the priority of if you want to work, if you want a job, if you want one job to do. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out a good example of, you know, those movies where they say, you had one job to do and you messed it up, you know. Uh, but for me, the one job that I have as a Christian, the one job is to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. Because out of that belief, intimacy and action, everything flows out of it. So I have to make sure that God, let me, give me strength to do my job today, to encounter you, God, to connect with people, to make a difference. Tell me, God, to not just do what feels good for me and just always motivated by the next in thing, but Lord, help me to be motivated for what brings you honor and glory. We cannot bear fruit unless we have intimacy with him. We cannot bear fruit unless we have that intimacy with him. The final thing is that I want to share is Jesus gives us life. He gives us true life. Only Jesus gives us true life. See, religion is man's way of trying to make, uh, trying to make um, that a reality. Trying to, you know, well, if I do all these different things, then I have life. Then I have true life. You know, if I, if I do, all, do everything just right, then I have life. That, uh, that is, that's, it's not true. Only Jesus Christ gives life. Okay, so let's, let's turn back to John chapter 6, 51 through 56. We're just wrapping up, just, just a couple minutes. Jesus gives true life. Verses 1, 51 through 56 says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the, and the bread that, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, it's flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me and I in him. Are you thankful that we don't have to have Jesus' fingers as Smokies? <laughs> I mean, I'm thankful that this is not literal. I mean, because if it was literal, we'd have, every single one of us would have a problem because none of us have actually ever eaten Jesus' actual flesh. No, this is, this is symbolic. Jesus is trying to use sim- symbolism here, okay? Again, these are the same people that just ate all, the, all these loaves, all, all the fish, and so it's a, it's a run-on concept in, in Jesus' mind. That's, what he's, that's where he's going with it. So how do we continue, how do we, how do we eat Jesus? Because that's what he's saying. If you don't eat him, if you don't drink his blood, 
you're gonna, you're gonna die. You're not gonna make it. So how do we eat Jesus? Jesus says, Jesus says that he's talking to Nicodemus a few chapters before, days, months, whatever, and he tells, tells Nicodemus that he who believes in him will never perish. And here he says that whoever drinks in him will never perish. Doesn't it make sense that drink and eat is symbolically meaning I'm continually believing in the Son of God. I'm, I'm choosing to be with him, to love him in that intimate time. And I'm going not out of that intimacy, man. Jesus, I love you so much. and I hate to see my neighbors suffering. I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go over there and pray for them. Anyone ever get weird urges like that? That's not Satan. That's totally the Father's love coming out of you. It's just manifesting. And, and he wants you to act on it because when you spend time with Jesus, that's, that's just natural. Just, just do it. Whenever that happens, just do it. So we do it. We, we eat Jesus. And when we eat Jesus, we believe in him. That's, that's all of that. When we believe Jesus, we eat him. That's this concept. So believing, remember, believing is intimacy in action. Intimacy and action. It cannot be just action, and it cannot be just intimacy. Believing has to be both. Okay? Well, some of you might say, well, what about the guy on the cross? I mean, what action did he do? His action was simply that he recognized who he was, and he said, Jesus, forgive me, help me, remember me. That's what, that's what his action was. He, he had no choice. God sees the heart. He knows where we're at. But if we're just trying to justify our, our lack of action, Guys, that, that does not come from the Father. The Father's heart is, pray for more laborers. The time is near. It's almost nighttime. Like, it's, it's happening. And so that sense of urgency is the heart of the Father. I gotta close. But just a, a last, con- uh, last concept. Back in Exodus 16. Exodus 16, all the way back. Let's turn there. Exodus 16. Uh, let's read verses 2 through 5. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to him, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You know what? I'm free. Life is hard, but man, I wish I was back in slavery, is what they're saying. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gathered on those other days. Notice they were grumbling, but he's a good father. He still fed them. He still fed them for 40 years. For 40 years, he still fed them. And he gave them instructions. Listen, guys, this is what you're going to do. Manna, what it looked like if, if anybody go out on a spring morning and you can see the dew on the ground, it's kind of shiny in the fields. You're like, oh, there's a lot of kind of wet, frozen, you know, dew. Um, that's a lot what manna looked like. It, it was, there were little seeds, but they looked exactly like frost in our idea. And God the Father is saying, I'm going to give you some instructions. And those instructions are you're to get up and you're to go out just for that day. You're to, to reap exactly what you need for you and your household. Just you. And then on the sixth day, I want you to go out and gather twice as much. God the Father said, I'm doing this to test them. To test them. Okay? So he, he provides for our needs. But then he gives us responsibility also. Okay? Now, in modern day times, in this moment right now, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I've come down from heaven. I am the true bread of life. God the Father has given me to you. Now we have him, right? Now we have him, and it's great, and he, and he fills us regardless of our attitude. Just like the Israelites, we grumble and complain, and still, he's, he's a good father. I'm so thankful that he, he doesn't give based on my performance. He gives because he loves us. I, I, I did not send my son into the world to die for the world because, because we're righteous, but because of his great mercy. That's what he says. And, and so the, the concept here is that just like the Israelites every day had to go and collect food, we, in the same way, are to go 
and collect from the food, the bread of life, every single day for me. And you know what? That's intimacy. When I go to the Father, I mean, let me, let me tell you, you can read the Bible. Satan's good at this. This is what Satan's good at. Flipping open the Bible, saying something, shutting it, walking away, and, and, and denying the truth of that book. That's what Satan's good at. And he did it to Jesus a few times. Doesn't the Bible say, uh, throw yourself off something, something, you won't die? Didn't, didn't the Bible say that? See, when we don't believe, when we don't put into action what is truth, we deny its power in our lives. God, more than anything, more than anything, he wants you, he wants you, he wants me to, to have that intimate moment so that when we are living our lives, we're not disappointed. We're not, we're not just, we don't go out and we pray for people and we're like, oh, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if I believe. He wants us to know that it's okay when we're spending time with him, when, we're, when, we're, when there's fruit, when there's action, when there's action and, and faith. And we believe. So don't doubt. The Bible says do not doubt. When we doubt, we sin. Don't sin. Bad. So instead, let's believe. Do you believe? Yes. I believe, and Lord, in those areas where I just, I don't want to pray for that person because I'm scared they're going to they're gonna laugh at me or they're going to th- think I'm crazy. Help my unbelief, Lord. Renew the way that I believe. It's not, it's, not, it's not this level like tomorrow I'll have a little bit more belief. It's not this level. It's this completely just, it's saying, God, I believe. Renew my mind. I, I, I just simply believe. And, and, and the belief is acting. And I'm going to take a step of faith because circumstance will always, almost always tell you something different than who we think God is. For me, what rocked my boat was Judah dying. I, it did, because, and naturally it does. Bad times do that. And I wonder, I, wonder I wonder what God is like. I mean, he must not be, I mean, he must not really care about me because I'm suffering and I'm doing God, God wants us to act on what is true, not act on what our feelings tell us. You know what I'm saying? And so, so guys, um, really, uh, just close your eyes just for a moment. Uh, we want to put on some soft music. You can. I just, I just want to. I, I can't leave without just giving you a, a practical challenge. Really, uh, the, I mean, there could be three people in the room. And just close your eyes because I want to respect your privacy. Uh, but, um, but, but here's the thing: there are those are there are people here that recognize what I'm saying is true, and they're doing it, and they're all in for Jesus. They recognize, man, there's no way I don't stand any chance to make it in this life unless I'm spending time with Him in the quiet place, in that intimate moment, and then obeying what He's telling me in in that intimate moment of spending time with Him. So you know what? I just want to encourage you. God is so proud of you. He loves you. He sees you. And even though the circumstance and the storms surround you, he is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant, because it's not, it's not just your feelings. You're actually doing what you say, thus proving your belief in me. He, he's proud of you. There's another type of person in here that actually, they say, yeah, I, they've been saying for years, I believe, I believe. But that's all it is, it's just head knowledge. And God just wants you to know that he sees you. He knows your heart. He knows your thought process. He knows your worldviews. He knows all the bad things that has ever happened to you. He knows all of it. And he just wants to encourage you. He just wants you to sit, just wants to encourage you and say, you know what? Just humble yourself. Say, Lord, I just need some help. I've been thinking one way and I just, I just, need, I just need to connect with you in that quiet moment. I just, need to, I just need to slow down and recognize that, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it in my own strength. And really the third person is someone who, you know, who, who's, who's kind of like Peter. Act first, think later. You know, I get so fired up for Jesus. Man, I, I'm fired up for Jesus now. I want to go out and just start doing things for Jesus. But you know what? Before that, guys, slow down. Get intimate with God. Just slow down. Recognize him in the moment of quietness. Very few times do I feel God's presence, feel God in the room, 
in that quiet time of intimacy, but very, very many times uh, do I experience him throughout my day when I have spent that time with him. So I just want to encourage you, God, God is so after our hearts this morning. And if you could relate with any of those three people that I was talking to, why don't you just raise your hand? This, there's, there's nothing that raising your hands does for you other than it's, a, it's literally a step of faith. It's a step of faith. All it does. There's no magical, oh, you're, you know, you've made it. No, it's literally just saying, Jesus, faith right here. I relate. And I, need, I need your help. Holy Spirit, have your way in this room, God. Thank you for pouring out your grace on us, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much better than the way we, we deserve, God. Thank you for helping us, God, to just slow down and recognize, God, we want to believe. We want to see lives changed. We want to do the righteous works. Those who are sold out, God, we, we want to do your work. Lord, help us to never jump past that intimacy. It's all about you're the only one who gives life. You're the only one. When we feed off you, when we believe in you, when we're doing these things, God, then you give us life and only that. Jesus, have your way. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, amen. I want to encourage you to just, just pray. Say a word of prayer of faith. Saying Jesus. Basically what I'm saying is make the next 30 seconds an intimate moment. Say Jesus, life is horrendous. Maybe life is awesome. Just take the next 30 seconds, make it an intimate moment and say, Jesus, I recognize all about you, not about me. I'll bless you guys as you go.